Hello everyone, and welcome to the October 28th edition of WorkComp Academy Weekly News. I'm Kyle Eubelhart, an attorney with Floyd, Scarron & Kelly, and thanks for joining us today. Let's get started with our litigation report. The federal suit filed by lien claimants hoping to have the lien activation fee provisions of SB 863 declared unconstitutional now has industry stakeholders taking sides as friends of the court or amicus parties. Angelotti Chiropractic, Mooney and Chabot Chiropractic, Christina Aranyan Associates, Joyce Altman Interpreters, Scandoc Imaging and Buena Vista Medical Services filed a lawsuit last July in the United States District Court. They are seeking to avoid payment of millions of dollars in lien activation fees before the end of 2013. Plaintiffs allege that they filed valid liens prior to SB 863 that constitute vested property rights. They allege that the mandatory dismissal provisions of the activation fee law unconstitutionally interferes with those rights. In total, plaintiffs allege that they hold tens of thousands of liens which require activation fees costing more than $2 million. And the plaintiffs allege they presently lack the ability to pay lien activation fees. In September, the California DIR filed a motion to dismiss the lawsuit and a hearing on the motion was set for October 24th. The DIR argued that in order to state a claim under the Fifth Amendment's taking clause of the United States Constitution, a plaintiff must establish that he possesses a constitutionally protected property interest and that his property was taken without just compensation. Two categories of regulatory action generally are deemed takings for Fifth Amendment purposes. The first is when government requires an owner to suffer a permanent physical invasion of its property. A second rule applies to regulations that completely deprive an owner of all economically beneficial use of the property. The DIR thus argues that the liens are not protected property rights for purposes of the takings clause because plaintiffs' rights to recover on the liens are not vested interests. A statutory remedy does not vest until final judgment. When a pending workers' compensation claim rests solely on a statutory basis, and when the rights under the statute have not vested in a final judgment, this legislature can modify or entirely repeal the right at any time. Numerous citations were given the DIR brief to support this argument. The California Chamber of Commerce has now joined the litigation requesting an order allowing them to appear as amicus or friend of the court so it can participate in the debate. Its amicus brief supports the arguments provided by the DIR. The California Society of Industrial Medicine and Surgery and the California Workers' Compensation Service Association also requested an order allowing it to appear as amicus in the case, siding with the lien claimants. They argue that the lien claimants will be deprived of their opportunity to be heard because due to the financial costs, they will not even make it into court and incur the automatic dismissal without a hearing. The final section of its brief pleads, don't destroy the system. It goes on to claim that an activation fee should be viewed as an impact that is so negative that it will cause an injured workers who require service to be shunned and viewed as undesirable. Unfortunately, the motion to dismiss was not heard on October 24th as scheduled. The federal judge continued the hearing to November 4th, 2013 at 8.30 a.m. The plaintiffs will have an uphill battle on that day as they attempt to convince a federal judge that the imposition of a lien filing fee is a violation of the United States Constitution. 
A former campus cop seen on a viral video pepper spraying UC Davis student protesters will receive workers' compensation totaling about $38,000. 40-year-old John Pike of Roseville allegedly suffered depression and anxiety brought on by death threats he and his family received after the 2011 confrontation at an Occupy UC Davis encampment. Workers' Compensation Administrative Law Judge Harder approved the settlement agreement between Pike and the University of California on October 16th. A UC Davis spokesman said, the case has been resolved in accordance with state law and processes in workers' compensation. Pike's attorney, Jason Marcus, declined to comment. Richard Lieberman, a Piedmont psychiatrist acting in the agreed-upon expert, rated Pike's disability as moderate. According to a January 5th psychiatric report released by the State Department of Industrial Relations in response to a public records request, opponents of the settlement complain that Pike will get more money than those pepper sprayed. UC Davis agreed to pay $1 million last January to settle a federal suit filed by pepper sprayed protesters against the university. 21 plaintiffs who were sprayed or arrested were to receive $30,000 each. Another 15 who also had claims approved, were to be paid about $6,700 apiece. Police Chief Matt Carmichael fired Pike in July 2012 following eight months of paid administrative leave. During that time, separate investigations came to different conclusions about how Pike responded when seated students, with their arms locked together, would not clear a path for officers leading away cuffed protesters. A public task force led by former California Supreme Court Justice Cruz Reynoso faulted both police and administrators for their roles in the incident. Its investigation found that Pike did not need to use pepper spray at all and that he used spray not sanctioned for use by the department and that he doused protesters from an unsafe distance. An internal affairs investigation resulted in a panel calling only for Pike's suspension. At the time of his psychiatric evaluation, Pike was appealing his termination. UC Davis has not rehired him. The former Marine will receive retirement benefits for his 11 years of campus employment. He was being paid an annual salary of about $120,000 at the time he was fired. UC Davis and its police department have undertaken reforms aimed at preventing similar confrontations with student protesters. And now time for our fraud report. Insurance Commissioner Dave Jones announced he has awarded $32 million in grants to district attorneys across 36 counties in California to combat workers' compensation fraud. The grants, funded through employer assessments, support law enforcement efforts in investigating and prosecuting workers' compensation fraud. The Workers' Compensation Grant Review Panel that reviews and makes grant funding recommendations based on multiple criteria such as previous year's performance, applications, arrests, and convictions. The panel sends a recommendation to the insurance commissioner who either accepts or amends the panel's recommendation. Upon completion, the commissioner's recommendation is submitted to the Fraud Assessment Commission for their advice and consent, and then the grants are awarded. Los Angeles County is at the top of the list with five $5.8 million awarded. San Diego County will receive $4.5 million, Orange County $3.6 million, and San Bernardino $2.2 billion. Last year, district attorneys prosecuted about 1,300 cases 
with about 1,500 suspects, resulting in about 700 convictions. Restitution of about $53 million was ordered and nearly $6 million was collected. 59-year-old Jeff Thurneau, an Aptos, California, owner of Costa Bella Builders was sentenced on two felony counts of insurance fraud this week. After paying almost $115,000 in restitution, Thurneau was then sentenced to an additional one year in jail. Other Costa Bella employees were also sentenced for their role in the fraud. Victorio Costelli was sentenced to six months in jail for one count of felony insurance fraud. Kathleen Costelli was sentenced for more than one misdemeanor count of insurance fraud and one count of failure to pay payroll taxes. The California Department of Insurance received information from employees about possible insurance fraud. CDI and investigators from Santa Cruz County District Attorney's Workers' Compensation Fraud Unit secured search warrants for the business records of the company. The joint investigation revealed multiple violations relating to the payment insurance premiums and payroll taxes. The Employment Development Department also joined in the investigation upon discovering that defendants' failure to pay payroll taxes was to the EDD. The investigation uncovered the company stopped paying payroll taxes and workers' comp insurance and began employing paying employees in cash. Defendants were ordered and paid $85,000 in premium restitution and back taxes almost $30,000. Todd Phillips, a 17-year-old veteran Folsom Correctional Officer, is accused of presenting false claims in the State Compensation Insurance Fund. Phillips said he injured himself in November 2010 when he slipped on a prison stairwell, according to court documents. Workers' compensation fraud investigators alleged that Phillips repeatedly played in competitive softball tournaments while out on his claim. The CEO of a spinal implant company was convicted of overcharging the county and San Jose for workers' compensation reimbursements. 68-year-old Trudy Maurer is head of Implantanium, a San Francisco-based company that purchased surgical implants from manufacturers and supplies them to hospital. Implantium bills workers' compensation insurance carriers for the devices and is allowed by law to make $250 profit per device. According to prosecutors, the company altered invoices submitted to San Jose and Santa Clara County for workers' compensation claims, exaggerating the price paid to manufacturers of all surgical spinal implants. Prosecutors say Maurer and another employee, Tigran Strasian, were charged last April with crimes. Maurer pleaded no contest to Thursday to four counts of felony insurance fraud. She was fined $50,000 and given six months probationary sentence. Implantium previously returned $130,000 to overcharge insurance companies. After Maurer serves her sentence, the courts will reduce them to misdemeanors. Prosecutors say it was one of the first such cases against a medical device supplier in the state. And in regulatory news, the WCIRB submitted its 2014 regulatory filing to the California Department of Insurance, proposing changes to the insurance commissioner's regulations. On October 17th, the commissioner issued a decision approving all the WCIRB's proposed changes as filed. Among these changes, approved effective January 1, 2014, 
are numerous changes to the standard classification system contained in Part 3 of the USRP. And changes to data reporting requirements to conform to the national data reporting specifications, as well as amendments to the audit rules to allow for the use of collective bargaining agreements to validate employees' hourly wage rate for dual wage classification assignment purposes. There are also amendments to facilitate the bifurcation of pure premium rate filings and regulatory filings. In addition, the Commissioner approved a number of regulatory changes to be effective on January 1, 2015, including amendments to the USRP pertaining to policy reporting requirements and significant amendments to the ERP limiting the impact on employees' experience modification of a single claim incurred during the experience period to 25 points. The Commissioner's decision does not address the WCRB's January 1, 2014 pure premium rate filing. The WCIRB is currently updating the USRP, ERP, and miscellaneous regulations to reflect the Commissioner's decisions. Once completed, copies of these documents will be posted to the publications and filing sections of its website. In the interim, the WCIRB has created the Quick Reference Guide 2014, summarizing the approved changes to the regulations. The California Division of Occupational Safety and Health announced it is resuming an investigation into a company building an elevator in the San Francisco 49ers planned new stadium in Santa Clara. Cal OSHA reported it rescinded its prior decision giving Schindler Elevator a no-violation notice for the June 11 death of Donald White. Cal OSHA has also revealed some new details in the probes of the deaths of White and Edward Irving Lake Jr who died at the stadium construction site recently on October 14th. The $1.3 billion Levi Stadium project is to serve as the new home for the 49ers when it is completed next summer. The decision Cal OSHA made to revive its investigation into White's death came after some questions were raised so that they were looking again into the evidence. The agency has until December 11th to complete the investigation and decide whether Schindler Elevator violated state safety codes. Cal OSHA can fine a company $7,000 for general and regulatory violations, $25,000 for a serious violation, and from $5,000 to $70,000 for a willful violation of OSHA codes. White, an experienced mechanic for subcontractor Schindler, was killed while standing beneath the counterweight of an elevator at the stadium site according to Cal OSHA public records information that was provided by Kathleen Hennessy. Cal OSHA has since revealed that before the fatal accident, White was in communication with the person operating the elevator and was aware the elevator was in operation but did not move. It's still somewhat of a mystery why White did not move while knowing the elevator was coming down toward him. And in medical news, Swiss customs agents have seized 1 million fake tablets of anti-anxiety drug Xanax at the Zurich airport. The counterfeit tablets were packed in four crates and weighed 400 kilograms. They had originated in China, according to Swiss Medic, the Swiss Agency for Therapeutic Products. Analysis of the Swiss Medic laboratory revealed that the drugs were contained in no active ingredients whatsoever. The Swiss regulator said that June that it had already seized about 90 shipments this year, representing a high potential of health risks. It also has ordered the shutdown of internet websites trading drugs illegally. 
According to experts, the drugs would be unrecognizable as counterfeits at a first glance. Xanax is a drug manufactured by Pfizer used to treat severe anxiety or panic disorder. Developing countries are a massive market for counterfeit medications worth billions of dollars. In parts of Asia, Africa, and Latin America, fraudulent medicines are thought to amount to as much as 30% of the market. These counterfeits also make up a large part of medicines sold online. Back in July 2012, Chinese police seized $182 million worth of counterfeit medicine in one month during a countrywide sweep. Drugs found during the seizure included medication for diabetes, high blood pressure, and even rabies. Unlike drugs found at the Zurich airport, most of the medication did contain harmful substances. Governments are fighting to safeguard the distribution of legitimate drugs and crack down on counterfeit products. Systematic checks of medical shipments are carried out every year, and imports of bogus medicines have been declining in Switzerland, Swissmedic said in June. Counterfeit drugs generated an estimated $75 billion in revenue in 2010, according to the National Association of Boards of Pharmacy. Each year, more than 100,000 people around the world may die from some substandard counterfeit medications. The United States also has a growing problem. In 2012, tainted steroids killed 11 people near Boston and sickened another 100. In another case, vials of the cancer medicine Avastin were found to contain no active ingredients. The vials were sourced in Turkey, shipped to Switzerland, then Denmark, finally to the United Kingdom, from which they were exported to the United States wholesale distributors. In 2007 through 2008, 149 Americans died from a contaminated blood thinner called heparin that was legally imported into the United States. Investigation is the most prolific example to the date. On August 21, 2005, the U.S. Attorney's Office for the Western District of Missouri issued a press release announcing that three businesses and 11 individuals were indicted for their involvement in a $42 million conspiracy to sell counterfeit, smuggled, and misbranded Lipitor and other drugs. As part of this investigation, the FDA initiated a recall of more than 18 billion Lipitor tablets which ranks as the largest recall in the history of criminal investigations of counterfeit medications. Foreign versions of Lipitor and Celebrex were smuggled into the United States from South America and resold after being repackaged to conceal the true origin of the drugs. Counterfeit Lipitor also was manufactured in South America and then smuggled into the U.S., where it was commingled with genuine foreign Lipitor and sold in the United States. And that's all our news and events for this week. Please check our website daily for news, updates, past editions of our news, and much, much more. And remember, you can subscribe to our weekly news podcasts and special reports using your iPhone, iPad, iPhone, or Android device by searching for WorkComp Academy with your podcast software. Again, I'm Kyle Uvelhart with Floyd, Scarin, and Kelly, and thanks for joining us today. Drop by again next week for more news.